Just in case our name Clit Talk wasn't a disclaimer enough, we wanted to let you know that this podcast is intended for a mature audience only. So if you have any little ones in the room, now is the time to maybe put some earmuffs on or escort them out. Today on Clit Talk, we get to be a fly on the wall with a real-life, ethically non-monogamous couple who are killing the game. Pussy, pussy, it's gonna be a good one today, yes. I'm talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk, talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk. Come on, girls and boys and everyone on the gender rainbow, bring your pussies to the show. Welcome to Clit Talk. The Pleasure Positive Podcast, where badass women discuss everything from orgasms to gender harmony to the health benefits of masturbation, the sex ed you wish you got, and then some. She's back, a house favorite of the Clit Talk crew, Dr. Lori. For those of you who missed her last episode on sex surrogacy, please go listen. This woman started at the Mustang Ranch, then went on to get her PhD in sexology and is working towards her master's now. Today, Dr. Lori brought a guest with her, her husband of 16 years. Now, the reason we wanted to have these two lovebirds on is because they've created a successful, ethically non-monogamous relationship, and they have kids. They're a totally blended family, if you will. So we want a glimpse of this alternative lifestyle and how the heck this dynamic works. So welcome back to the studio, Dr. Lori, and thank you so much for being here to her lovely husband. All right, so let's just get right into this. I'm very excited for this episode. So, (laughs) Dr. Lori, your work kind of makes you non-monogamous in a way, which we sort of discussed in our last episode. But today we're really talking about your marriage and the ethical non-monogamous aspect of it. So how did the two of you initiate this conversation or did it come up when you first met? Did it develop over time? Like, How did you find yourselves in this ethical non-monogamous marriage? Hmm, Thank you for asking. That's a really good question. Uh, So yes, we have been married for 16 years together, a couple years longer than that. Uh, When we were first together, we were dating, and as soon as it got, looked to be getting a little bit serious, my now husband let me know that I already knew that he he was seeing three or four other women at the same time, and he had been married twice before. But he let me know that He had told himself that he was going to go forward into a relationship with another person and it was going to get serious. He had to let them know up front he was not a monogamous person because that was – he had tried it a couple times already, didn't work, failed miserably. And every time after each divorce, he found himself falling back into non-monogamy. And he said, I really care about you. I like where this is going, but I already know I'm not going to be this faithful person throughout the years. We had no idea what ethical non-monogamy was. We hadn't, there wasn't, we didn't have the resources that people have today. We didn't have anybody we could go to and talk to. And it was really up to me to kind of like, I don't know if I'm really on board with this or not, but let me explore it and see what it's about. So before you met your husband, you had always been in monogamous relationships. Before I met my husband, I had been married for 17 years to the same man. And my husband is the only the second person I'd ever had sex with. Oh, wow. I was a very sweet, innocent, pure being. (laughs) (laughs) You still are. Thank you. (laughs) Yes. I've since made up for some of that. But yes. Yes. Um, Okay. Awesome. That's really fascinating. Yeah. So, so marriage is like a conservative construct, right? So what? Um, why was getting married so important to the both of you? 
Well, it was important to me. I don't know that it was important to you. It definitely was not important to me. Okay. I had done it twice. I failed miserably both times, I felt, except I got wonderful children out of those marriages. So for me, I knew that I could not just be monogamous. It was I had to I had gone through two marriages. The last one was a horrible divorce. And looking back at my life from that point, I, I used to run marathons and things like that. So I had plenty of time to think. And on those runs I would think, why is this not working for me? And always always came back to from childhood forward, I was always a very sexual person. So, and in between marriages, I was always very sexual with multiple people. And and I, for me, I hit on it that that was something that was vital or a part of who I am. And then for myself, I knew that I I liked the construct of marriage. I like I like the domestic domesticity of it if that's even a word domesticness of it like i i like i like being a domestic person i like marriage i like the i like wearing my wedding ring all of that kind of stuff when we had talked about it and i said this is something that i want i know it wasn't important to him and he was just kind of well if it's important to you that you know then we'll do that um but i had to know going in that it was that it wasn't like we're getting married and I'm going to change him and he's going to become some monogamous person. We lived together for a couple of years beforehand to make sure that this is actually how things are going to be. And I still want to be married. So, so you're able, does, oh, sorry, you're able mm-hmm. to compartmentalize love and monogamy is what I'm hearing. Maybe more for him. I think it's because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. if, if you love someone so much, how can you not be monogamous? In my world. Well, you know, there's... Okay, so let's touch on monogamy. And I don't know if you guys have read um, Sex at Dawn. It's on our Um, list. Okay. Christopher Ryan, amazing book. More Than Two. uh, Tristan Terramino's book also. um, I'm totally drawing a blank on it because it's on my desk right now because I have it for a friend. Opening up. Um, But they will all, designer relationships is another good one. They all touch on the fact that there are different forms of monogamy. And we tend to think of monogamy in our, when somebody says, I'm monogamous, I'm monogamous in all things, uh, emotionally, sexually, financially, um, all the different ways that we interact with somebody. He is very monogamous with me emotionally. And um, when you talked about compartmentalizing, so like heart-wise, he only is wired, if you want to call it that, love feelings. He has that just for me. Sexually, completely non-monogamous. Socially, we have different friends that we're social with. Financially, we're monogamous because we're home. We share a home. We share a mortgage and finances and all of that. Um, Myself, I'm emotionally non-monogamous as well because I'm polyamorous. He's not polyamorous. And then we can get into that whole construction yeah, you have a boyfriend i have someone i'm seeing call him right. boyfriend. <laughs> and the hubs boyfriend. the hubs has never had a girlfriend like you've never had like an emotional attachment you just like to sleep with various women and is it men too occasionally mm-hmm. i i do feel that i am emotionally attached for however long that we're together <laughs> So it's, 
He's emotionally attached for a couple hours. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes three or four hours. But no, I um when whenever whenever I'm with somebody other than her, I I mean, I I'm vested. I'm invested in you. You know, for that time however we're however long together because for me i i'm a i'm a giver i i by profession by everything that i've done in my life i love giving someone uh other you know other people pleasure whatever that looks like um in my profession you know i i help people every single day and it's it's the most rewarding thing i can do uh when i'm with you I want you to get an experience that hopefully you've never had before. So going into anything like that, so yes, I am totally invested in in the relationship. Yeah, for, that's for that so, moment. For that, for that moment. moment. So, but I'm, he's not following afterwards with right. texting and let's go to dinner and things mm-hmm. like that. I that's... usually will follow with, how are you doing today? How was yesterday? Mm. Like a check-in. The aftercare. Yeah. 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 Which is really important. so amazing to hear you say this. I feel completely gotten as a person right now because I've been almost like guilty for not feeling guilty that I don't necessarily have this like strong, like emotional connection around sex and that it can be sex. And now I'm seeing it's not that I'm not emotionally connected. It's just for this period of time that we're together and I, when I'm not with that person, it's not like a disrespect or a disregard. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. actually like not now right. that experience has come with me, mm-hmm. but I, I don't feel that same. I'm in love. However, I'm seeing this woman who wants, loves love and sex and love are, are very important together. And I had to just check in with myself and say like, am I willing to go down that road? And I, I was, and I grown a lot of strong feelings to her. Like I totally mm-hmm. love her, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and, and she's, she's married. She's married. And I so married. She has a husband yeah. and a girlfriend. Thank you. So I just want to say, I feel like that is such a breath of fresh air to hear that there is nothing wrong with being somebody who can compartmentalize after that moment and still be that really loving person. Because I'm always mm-hmm. afraid of being seen as like a slut or a hoe. For having that um, behavior mm-hmm. versus some versus that really giving loving person, because I was my intention to being with that person wasn't to be slutty or hoey or, or be like go brag to my friends about I licked this girl's pussy and you know made her come really hard. I'm not trying to brag about the situation. I'm actually wanting to be recognized as someone who's a, like a giver and a nurturer and be known as that person. Mm-hmm. And it's not about conquering something. Like too many people are like, oh, you've slept with so many people, you know, not just in the bedpost. It's nothing nothing like that whatsoever. It's it's having genuine interactions with other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think you're you're all kind of touching on and something that I'm experiencing in my life. And I'd love for you to go back to both of you, I feel like you talked you you talked about hubs. Um you would go on these runs and you would really run through your head, okay, something's not right here. Um, and f- for you, when he when he brought, told you, hey, I am not a monogamous person, I would say there's like a moment of <laughs> impact, if you will, right? When you mm-hmm. either discover this about yourself or your partner, and then there's a transition, right? For you, Dr. Mm-hmm. Lori, you'd been with one other man. How Can you maybe touch a little bit on 
how that transition was for you what what processing did you have to go through mm-hmm. like some of the some of the, the stages of that because that's kind of something I'm personally going through right mm-hmm. now sort of the consideration and the transition of we've all been raised in this society where we're told monogamous and church and all this stuff and then to kind of deconstruct all of that is a really sure. a process I think and, and there's insecurity and jealousy on top of all the social constructs yeah. that come up completely completely so when he came to me and said that he was um, non-monogamous of course I'm thinking like what's wrong with me why would he you know if if I'm why am I not enough you know all those kind of things that you process and he encouraged me he was like I'm not going anywhere I'm going to stop what I'm doing for a while and take some time and go explore yourself um, nobody had ever offered that to me before I was in my 30s when we met so to be at that point in my life and be like go explore my sexuality like I don't even know what that looks like like how do you do that and he was you know not to sound all misogynistic or gender or whatever but he was like you're a woman it's easy you're cute just go out and just find somebody I'm like <laughs> it's not that easy <laughs> it's that easy it is that easy. <laughs> so, it really is that easy so I mean, I can go out and, you know, walk up to some guy and just be like, hey, you want to, you know, give him the eyes and everything. He's like, okay, and he'll go. A guy could walk up to that and he'll get slapped or a drink thrown in his face. So, it, you know, it is, there is a difference, has been my experience. So I did. So I went out and, you know, we had Craigslist then. I didn't know really where else to look. And thankfully, I never had any really scary experiences on Craigslist. I did meet some people that I wanted to run away from, but not because they were terrifying to me, but just because they were not who they posed to be or they were dirty or whatever. Um, but yeah, so I, I would go out and I would flit out and I'd explore and meet somebody and then come back and he's still there and go out and explore and meet somebody and come back. And it was probably about two years of that before it really hit me because I'm an experiential person and it, you know, I took my time with this. And it was about two years before it hit me that, you know, when he says that he wants to go out and do something, but he still loves me the same. Maybe he's telling me the truth because I'm realizing that my affections for him are growing for him personally. And these other people that I may be having sex with are not impacting my life. You know, I'm still going to the grocery store and picking up the kids from school and doing all the things that I do and going to work. And, um, you know, it was like a little bit of fun that I was throwing in the mix there. And it was it was quite a revelation to realize that, hey, this isn't. This isn't as terrifying of a thing as I thought it would be. And, and as I stepped back and we, you know, reevaluated, okay, if we are to get married and we are to do this and we are to be non-monogamous, what does that look like? And I knew for myself that I would not want to go into monogamy again after that experience. Oh, wow. I also knew that I was going to have to deal with jealousy because while I was okay with my own experiences, jealousy is still going to come up if he's going to do something. So so he let yes. you go explore before For he a couple ever, of years. Before mm-hmm. he ever did anything. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. When we met, he, was, yeah. he had been dating a couple other people at the same time, but he just backed off and... And I'm really, really grateful for that because That's he had so had amazing. years of life of experience in this and I was... Such a naive baby. He gave you space. Wow. Completely, completely. So not to sound crass, was it almost like, so it sounds like you ultimately found Mm -hmm. joy and realized this was the path for Mm -hmm. you as well. And not to sound crass, but it's almost like, was it almost like a hobby? Or like, how would you, like, (laughs) I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, how do you? Yes. Because, 
you don't know where the balance is. Right. And like most things in life, the pendulum is way over here one direction because I am super monogamous, don't know anything about sex, never watched porn in my life, never owned a sex toy to meeting this guy to boom, I'm over here and I have goals that I set for myself like this week, I want to sleep with a different person each day. Mm-hmm. Or today, how many different people can I find in one day to fuck? Like I would have weird goals for myself like that until the pendulum finally landed somewhere in the middle. And I, it took years to realize for myself that the way we do non-monogamy is very different. And the only model that I had for it was the way he did it. And it took me having all these experiences to realize that, okay, wait a minute, I don't want to be monogamous, but this way is what works and feels good for him, but it's not how I'm made. How do you keep from falling for somebody else or make him both of you each of like if you're I do I do and that's what I have learned that I am polyamorous I am very capable and I enjoy having a husband and a boyfriend so can you just just for our listeners can you can you distinguish the difference between polyamorous and non-monogamous yeah unfortunately too often people use the term polyamory as the umbrella term meaning all things non-monogamous and Anything non-monogamous could be swinging, could be polyamory, could be wife-swapping, cuckolding type of thing, could be um, group sex parties, uh, so many variations. Uh, different forms of BDSM can also be found in the non-monogamy community. Um, but each, under that umbrella, polyamory, there's an emotional component. So... By being polyamorous, I have love and affection and care for my husband, and we're sexual, but I also have another partner um, that I have love, affection, and care for, and we're sexual. And that is ongoing and a relationship that's building that's important to me. Um, it's more than just a friend with benefits. So so polyamory is when there's emotion involved. Yes. Okay. Yes. And we're like it. swinging is... Like, hey, just or, just, or hooking up is okay. just sex, or could be friends with benefits. So you have an amazing husband. I do. Thank that he, you. That he gave you space for two years to build your own sense of security and trust, mm-hmm. and then you were able to explore in that and figure out where your boundaries were. Mm-hmm. I think that, first of all, is amazing. It says everything about your relationship to me, just mm-hmm. that. And do you, the husband, mm-hmm. Do you ever feel jealous when she's starting to actually have feelings for another man? And how, how, because it sounds like you're, you're non-monogamous. You're not actually polyamorous as the husband, but there's a term, right? You're more polyfuckery. You you. engage in polyfuckery. And that term is being coined right here, right now. (laughs) Talk to Lori said that to us. (laughs) Yes. We have learned it took years but we have learned that the biggest thing that you can do in any of these in any relationship is communicate so when she sees somebody or she meets somebody that she wants to uh, get involved with we just start talking and we talk and talk and talk so going into a relationship like like right now this is new for her she has nre new relationship at you know, um, energy, energy, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I do. but, it makes you look but crazy I, person. I, I understand that because I felt that before. So f- I don't get jealous of her, spe- you know, sp- in, in something like that. I have gotten jealous 
Um, and it's usually things that I wasn't aware of, that something comes up and that's, that, that's a trigger and that will set me back. So when that happens, I usually would go back to – first thing I go back to is, is my uh, teen years because I was a typical boy. My girlfriend couldn't do anything, and it, it bothered me that I was that way. And I finally taught myself that this isn't – I don't own this person. I've never owned anybody, and I'm not going to. So I have to go back there and go, you know – Okay, I got triggered. She's not doing anything wrong. This is just a natural thing that's going on. And give myself a few minutes, take some deep breaths, a little meditation, and then I'm fine. But usually it's just that little bit of stepping back. So you essentially set the boundaries and discover what your relationship looks like ongoingly. Uh, totally, totally ongoing. It's always evolving and always changing. When we first started this path, we had so many rules in place, um, which then we kind of navigated and just said, okay, these are our guidelines. And now we've realized that even that feels too burdensome and negative. And we like to say that we have agreements between each other. And probably the, the biggest agreements that we have between each other that we have thankfully always stuck to is that we never, never interact with another person out of spite for each other. Mm -hmm. And if we're not in a stable place, I'm not going to be like, well, I'm pissed off at you and I'm going to his house or I'm, you know, like whatever. I don't care what you had to say. I'm going to go fuck this person. That's never healthy. It's not healthy for either one of us. It's not healthy for our relationship. It's not healthy for the person that's at the other end of that. Mm -hmm. And that's something we've never crossed that. And that's, I feel good about that. Um, and then the other one that we've learned over time is that, you know, surprises, like, surprise, I got you roses is really sweet. But surprise, I'm not home tonight when you thought I was going to be home because I'm out with this other person isn't so sweet. Yeah. So, you know, we don't, we don't like to find those. You don't want to just find that kind of stuff out. So, yeah, we talk a lot and you talk things to death. But then there's no room for misunderstanding because it's very easy for misunderstandings to happen mm-hmm. otherwise. Yeah. So, so what could you suggest to our listeners for them to start initiating this conversation amongst themselves if they're interested in possibly exploring this lifestyle? It's difficult. It's really hard to say, I have, I have to talk to you or I would like to talk to you. You might want to sit down. I have feelings for someone else or whatever that looks like. Just saying those words initially is really hard to do. Well, you don't know what reaction you'll get, right? You exactly. have no idea what kind of reaction yeah. you're going to get. None whatsoever. Um, yeah. That, but, go ahead. Just the, that's like when you, you're crushing on somebody and in monogamy, you have to like be keep it a secret mm-hmm. or it like shows up and manifests as like infidelity, mm-hmm. right? So in this situation that you're, you know, in, in, in an alternative lifestyle, mm-hmm. the crushing that you may have for somebody else, it's easy to communicate. But mm-hmm. if, if you're talking to your partner for the very, 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 very first time, like you've never entered this mm-hmm. and you have a crush on somebody mm-hmm. like really hard, mm-hmm. um, like how I just want to add that in. So I feel like a mm-hmm. lot of people can relate to this. Like how mm-hmm. many of our listeners right now can think about someone you've crushed on while you're in a relationship and you're trapped by that emotion. Mm-hmm. You 
feel like you can't do anything. Right. A good way to bring up those conversations is to not make it so personal from the beginning. So you can bring up an article that you saw somewhere, or maybe there's a movie that explores non-monogamy in some way. There's a new TV show, Wanderlust. You could watch something like that and have conversation about it afterwards and say, you know what? This has kind of come up for me before. What do you think of that? Um, unfortunately, in our society, and it's so strange to me, but people will, and I've encountered this when I've met like play partners and stuff like that, especially just for play. They will understand. People will get it if I'm like, yes, I'm married. My husband doesn't know. And I just need to keep it that way. And we're going to have fun. They would see you for years. Like, no problem. We're having an affair. Change the narrative. Yes, I'm married. My husband's aware. He knows that I'm seeing you. And... You know, just just so that you know, going forward, I want to make sure everybody's on the same page. People are like, what the hell's with that? <laughs> so weird. What's going on there? Like, communication and openness freaks people out. So it freaks people out in a relationship as well because we're not taught that monogamy is an option. Like, it's just the yeah. way it is. Yeah. That's how you're Cheating supposed to be. Normal. Yeah. Yeah. So if you were to bring it up the first time, I would say, Read an article or watch a movie or, you know, oh my gosh, I heard about this. What do you think about that? You know, that so I, I have a podcast. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> so you, we, exactly. We've talked mm-hmm. about there's <clears throat> jealousy, there's judgment involved. Mm-hmm. It's, I would say it's safe to say this is definitely not the easiest way to do a relationship, right? It's the so, easiest way for us. I well, don't really know how to do it differently. Okay. So mm-hmm. yeah, but there's, mm-hmm. there's a, it's underground. You feel like you can't, like, it's, it, you feel like you can't share it with everyone. Like there's judgment, there's jealousy. What makes for people who, for our listeners who are trying to wrap their head around mm-hmm. this, what makes all of that worth it? Why is this worth it for you? Because I feel like we have, if you're to put a label on the relationship we have, it's a very freedom based relationship. I feel like we're a good unit together, but we're able to each help uplift the other person like what makes you the fullest you and gives you the best life experiences that you want for yourself and i'm here for you i got you Mm. as far as we know this is the only life that we get Mm -hmm. enjoy it while we can yeah yeah here here definitely so what i really like about your relationship besides just the two of you Mm -hmm. and all the communication and all the transparency that you allow in it What I really love is that you've included your entire family Mm -hmm. and you have both kids, you have kids from Mm -hmm. previous marriages. Mm -hmm. And how did this conversation come up? I'm sure people say Mm -hmm. to you when you tell them about your life and your alternative Mm -hmm. quote unquote lifestyle, Mm -hmm. they say, but what about the kids? All the time. We always hear that question. I asked our youngest daughter once um, when she was probably about 16 and I asked her because I was teaching some class somewhere. And I asked her, I said, so this is the question I always get. What about the kids? What, you know, what about that? And, and I had a boyfriend at the time and she was aware. Um, and she just kind of rolled her eyes and she goes, oh, honestly, mom, I just want to make sure I have a ride to the mall. <laughs> I mean, as far as they're concerned, the kids are concerned, their home life is stable. Kids are almost always just about themselves right then. And if their parents are going to go divorce or see other people, their fear is like, what about my life? Where am I going to go? Where am I going to land? If my parents divorce, do I have to go to different, two different places? What about that? 
for our children, um, our home life was never in question. So that was always very stable. If I had, um, and I say myself, if I had a partner come over, because again, he's had friends with benefits and playmates, but I would be the one with an ongoing relationship. So if I was seeing somebody and they came around the house and things like that, then it was somebody that the kids would also see like, Nothing was blatant ever done in front of the children, just so that we make that clear out here. You know, nothing blatant, but also not ever hiding anything. So the kids would see the three of us go to dinner together or have a barbecue together or um, maybe my my partner, second partner would come over and the two of them would be hanging out working on something in the garage until I get home and then I'd go on a date with whoever. Um, and then the kids would see, you know, and I would come home and it was just very open and honest and they could see that neither one of us was getting hurt in the process and that's really important to know that I'm not doing anything to hurt your dad I'm not doing anything to be harmful to anybody here and are they open with you now that you have some grown Very children about so. their sex life yeah and where how do they what's yeah. their philosophy and what kind of relationships are they having oh gosh Let's see, they're all, they're all different. They're all different. One is married with several children and very, very monogamous and pretty fundamental and conservative. Another one, she and her husband have a semi-open relationship, but their kids are pretty young right now, so they won't be do anything with that. We have a son who is dating a couple different people at a time right now himself. Um, another one chooses not to date at all. She's like, I just don't even want to see anybody. Um, <laughs> Another one, she is she is very at she's very strong willed, and she's like I'm monogamous, and if anybody's not monogamous with me, then you know they can hit the road. And she's, it just varies, just like we all vary, you know. And the what's most important is that they are all creating a blueprint for their relationship style, whatever works for them individually. So, and how do you deal with say. their conversations with friends at school when they were in school age? Because I can hear yeah. a lot of listeners or parents maybe thinking that, like, but yeah. what about the conversations about the conversation at the holiday the parties at the school stuff? You know, we thankfully, I don't feel like we ever had too much of that. We never – I knew that if if we're going to do this, it's something that we have to, again, not be blatant about, but I'm not going to try to hide and be under the cover. First of all, it's not fair to – if I bring in a second partner to be like, but you're somebody I have to hide. If you're important to me – then I'm not going to hide you. It's not nice. Um, but people can't shame you for something that you own. It's a shame. Ooh. So, mm-hmm. yeah. drop. So, people can't shame you they can't. for something that you so own. So if, if they have issues with what you're doing, those are their issues. And I remember we were – it was at my 40th birthday party. And I had a friend of mine that had come up and said, you know, like, oh, I just, a friend, you know, I want to talk to you because there have been some rumors about you. Because because I would have an ongoing boyfriend and he just has friends with benefits, people tend, they don't see what he's doing. They see me and they tend to think like, your poor husband, <laughs> you know, yeah. poor guy, and I'm out cheating on him all the time. So, yeah, so this friend of mine, she came up and she said, I want to talk to you. you know, there's some rumors going around. I think, you know, people should, they've been saying some stuff. And I'm sitting there with my glass of champagne and my little crown on my head. It's is 40 and, you know, all like, it's my birthday. And um, instinctively, I first wanted to just be like, oh, that's not exactly true, but what do I say to just make this go away? I don't want this to turn into anything here. And um, 
you know, she pressed a little bit more and I was just like, I don't know why. Maybe it was because it was the first time, yes, 40, the first time I ever got drunk. But I, I know, I told you, I was like a little <laughs> prim little You're chick. so good. <laughs> You're such a good girl. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and I was standing there and she kept pressing. And finally, I just said, you know, that's not completely accurate. We do have an arrangement that may not be traditional. And if you have any questions, you can ask me about it outside this party. And just left it at that. And Damn. she was shocked. You owned it. That's a good I answer. I owned it. And from that point forward, it was like, okay, people are going to know. You know what? If they want to know, then they better know from me directly rather than making up whatever story it is they want to know. Yep. See, you guys have so much fun and variety. Within yeah. your marriage and outside yeah, your marriage. We do. Tell me about your actual sex life. Has it been ups and downs? Do you, have you learned new things together? Are you having more sex now or before? Or how do you balance your own intimate sex journey on Thank top you. of all this other stuff? Yeah. That's a really good question. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You want to answer first? Or you want me to? Sure. Typically, like anybody else, you know, initially our sex life was amazing and once the, the the NRE wears off, you go into your normal routine. For me, whenever she, she would come back from someone th- seeing somebody else, it always, you know, I don't know what it is, but it always brings a little bit of extra charge out. So then, you know, things ramp up for a bit. Um, I have had some health issues. And for about, what, four years? Mm-hmm. For about four years, my sex life went almost non-existent. And it was really difficult because it was right after we moved down here mm-hmm. where there's parties galore. <laughs> sex parties? Um, yeah. Yes. We all just went to one together. And, <laughs> yeah, we did. Uh-huh. And um, so that was difficult until we finally figured out what the heck was going on with me. And uh, now it's... It's good again. It's a, yeah, yeah, it's great it's again. But that's actually pretty amazing because – so let's say, for instance, if you were in a typical monogamous mm-hmm. relationship, you had health issues going on. Mm-hmm. She's not having sex. You guys are going to get probably mad. But she was exactly. being able to be mm-hmm. taken care of sexually and support you emotionally. Mm-hmm. That's exactly. like pretty yeah. awesome actually. Well, yeah. and it is. But I mean to be honest and in, in the spirit of transparency – there was a period of time that before we knew that it was health-related, it was just like, well, what the heck? Now you're not interested in me anymore. Mm. What's going on? So there's you like know, real humanity here. Completely. Like, we always had this great sex life, and now you're not even interested. And, you know, and um, you know, there would be times where I'm like, well, it's a good thing I got somebody else because you're not interested. And You know, I mean, you throw you, – you feel that way. But it, and I'm sure it also helped to know that you were still desirable. Very. Very, very. And that he's not jealous about that. It wasn't something that's going to destroy our marriage or anything like that. Um, And so, I mean, I would say key going back a ways to one of the reasons that we're able to weather something like that, though, too, is because we worked on having a foundation with each other. And we never went into non-monogamy to fix our life together, Mm -hmm. to fix our relationship, or this is what we need so that we can have a better sex life. Uh, Our foundation had to be solid, and we make sure that we really work hard on keeping it that way. So my question is, and my question is mainly for hubs and Mm -hmm. for both of you guys, actually, where do you find your sexual partners? And and I'm curious, how often do you... um, 
you know, is it like one woman a week? Is it like how often do you go and play around? So we belong to a group called Sex Positive Los Angeles. And the model for Sex Positive Los Angeles is care confidentially and confidentiality and consent. I love that. And most, well, almost, well, all my partners mm-hmm. are within the sex positive community. Mm. So we have a core group of about 30 mm. or 40 people. Yeah. And, and of that, of that group of people, all those people, I know who they are too. So I know that the women that he's interacting with, uh, know us as a couple and they respect us as a couple. Ah. So I don't have to concern myself or worry that, oh my gosh, you're going out with, you know, whoever and she's going to put a wedge between us and break up our marriage because she follows that same moral compass, mm-hmm. if you want to call it that, of care, confidentiality, and consent and respect mm-hmm. that, that we have for our own relationship guidelines. And to be able to have that and interact with other people like that makes it very safe and very comfortable. And I I like knowing that whoever he's spending time with, that they are caring for each other. And it is genuine and nobody's being hurt or used. or That makes like that. a huge difference for mm-hmm. me. It does. Mm-hmm. It really does. Just knowing, because that would be very uncomfortable. Like, who mm-hmm. is this woman that you go find on, it would be like, who are you finding on, you know, Bumble or Tinder or well, something? exactly. Yeah. So and that, for yeah, the woman, for as a that. woman, it's important to me to know that uh, these different women have somebody that they can go see my hubs mm-hmm. or whoever else that is trustworthy, that's mm-hmm. not going to harm them in any way or mm-hmm. take advantage of them in any way mm-hmm. or shame them or make them feel horrible. Like, you know, it's going to be somebody that's caring and respectful. Mm-hmm. And that's important to me to know that my partner can be that stand up person. For our listeners who don't live in Los Angeles, are there other things similar to that in other states and other parts of the world? And how do people find these resources? Yes. So Sex Positive LA is a chapter of Sex Positive World. And it is, there's chapters in Portland, in Los Angeles, in the Bay Area. I just started one out in Salt Lake City as well. That's a really fun community out there. Um, we have in, yeah, in, in Texas, in New Mexico, um, over in Europe and Belgium. Uh, so there's chapters all over the place and people can just Google sex positive world. If you're in Los Angeles area, you can sex, uh, sex positive, sex positive Los Angeles. Uh, we vet everybody that comes through. So everybody has to fill out an application. It's not, you know, if your application is just like here, I'm just here for sex. It's, probably not a good fit and we can refer you to where those places are but that's not what this is sex positive offers a really great bridge for people who are going from like i really want to explore my sexuality more i don't really know where to go to the other places where people are like here's a sex club and i want to go have a really great time because too often it's like i know nothing so i'm walking into the swingers place at vegas and the culture shock that can take place there, and <laughs> but it happens all the time because where else are you going to go? Yeah. And you know it's scary, and then people get scarred, and then they leave there, and they're like, "Crap, no, we don't want to be like those freaks there." But, you know, you can you can join something like Sex Positive and go through workshops and about all things sexuality. You can go to discussion groups about different forms of non-monogamy or sexual expression or gender expression. And 
There, You can go to play parties that have an opening circle at the beginning and practice talking about STI, safer sex practices, consent techniques, all of that, and have an actual play party in that environment. Yeah, and practice, you know, touching and caressing and being with another person. And then if you want to go to the sex club in Vegas, you you know much better what you're getting yourself <laughs> into. And you're in a place within yourself that you can offer a strong no if there's something you really don't want to do. Because most people, regardless of how evolved we think we are, have a really hard time saying no. Mm-hmm. And how do you deal with the STD conversations with all of your partners? You just bring it up immediately? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how often do yeah. you get checked? So we each get checked about every six months. Um, he uses condoms for all of his partners that he's with. If I'm at a play party and with partners, I'll use condoms, but I don't use condoms with my hubs. And I currently don't use condoms with the guy I'm Your seeing. lover. I don't want to say <laughs> lover. I don't want to say boyfriend. Why don't you want to say boyfriend? I don't know. I don't know. That's... Is lover, you like the term lover? I like better. lover. Lover. Yeah, that's She probably has the NRE. I know. I'm trying <laughs> so, really hard not to. Up. I hate NRE. I hate it. It makes you a crazy person. What's so touching about the two of you really listening to your whole story is that what I get is that you really, really are best friends. Very much so. And At the that core of everything. You're, you're so in love with each other that you're absolutely willing to give each other the space to have your own life journey mm-hmm. with no mm-hmm. bad feelings. Exactly. It's beautiful. It exactly. really is. Exactly. Well, because but- at the end of the journey, I want to be able to look at him and I hope that he got to have every experience he wanted to and there wasn't anything he wanted to do that he felt I held him back from. Mm-hmm. So. You guys are the cutest couple of the century. Thank you. (laughs) So I guess if I was to, you know, that this whole episode has been about non-monogamy and various forms of non-monogamy. And as it becomes more of a mainstream topic, people tend to think that, you know, those who are non-monogamous are so much more evolved than others. It's really important to note that there is no hierarchy in any of this. And just because non-monogamy works well for us and for many people that we know, uh, many people choose monogamy and they know that that's what works for them. So I think... Not to put it out there that you have to, you know, become whatever this is if you're not comfortable with it, but accept that there are other differences out there and they are valid relationship differences. They are valid relationship configurations that people are into and not to judge them as less than or that there's something broken because people choose to live a non-monogamous life or something. Very well mm-hmm. said. Thank you. Thank you so much for um, Dr. Lori and Hubs for um, coming on this episode and really just being very candid, very open, very vulnerable. I know that this conversation has made a huge difference for me. Um, and I think I can speak for all the girls in the studio and for all of our listeners, just so well-spoken and eloquent. So um, just, yeah, just thank you. And so, Dr. Lori, do you have any um, resources for any of our listeners interested? And also, how can people get in touch with you? And can you share more with us about um, just where people can find sex-positive 
website and all that all that jazz. Perfect. Of course. So I think that it's really important if somebody does want to explore any form of non-monogamy, uh, whether it's something you actually want to pursue or just understand it better, there's so much information out there now, which is really great. Uh, Christopher Ryan's book, Sex at Dawn, is really good. Designer Relationships is another good book. Um, Opening Up by Tristan Terramino, great book and great for beginning. Um, any various forms of non-monogamous. And uh, Ethical Slut by Janet Hardy and Dossie Easton, another great book. And then More Than Two is also another great book that, that breaks it down. Those are all good books and resources to look for. To find Sex Positive, just go to sexpositiveworld.com or go to a meetup page anywhere in your city and type in Sex Positive. Whether it's Sex Positive Los Angeles, Sex Positive Salt Lake City, Sex Positive Portland, or whatever city you're in, see what's around you. And, you know, look us up that way. You can Google Sex Positive World and the different chapters will come in as well as your thing. And then how do people, if they, is there a way for people to get in touch with you directly? Yeah, I'm not media savvy and I'm not tech savvy, so I don't really have a real website. So you can find me on my About Me page, which is, you can just Google my name, Dr. Lori Bennett Cook, and that will come up. Or you could email me directly at justlbc at yahoo.com. And that's the word just, J-U-S-T, L-B-C, my initials, at yahoo.com. Beautiful. Thank you so much. So we're going to play a little game with this meditation today. So I'd like you to close your eyes. You're going to answer the following questions in your head. So you may have never allowed yourself to answer these questions before, or you may have played this little game with your partner. So you might get a little uncomfortable for some of you. For others, it might be easy breezy. But wherever you're at, we invite you to get comfortable with the uncomfortable and see what comes on the other side. No pun intended. So touch your pussy or your cock, place your hand there, connect, feel the warmth, feel that shameless energy, shameless energy. And so if you're in a relationship, really allow yourself to answer these questions because your partner can't hear your thoughts. And if you're single, you know what to do. So here we go. Close your eyes, take a nice inhale in. And who is a famous person you fantasized about fucking before? Next question. Do you have someone in your community currently who you have a little crush on? And last question. Who do you really want to be sexual with in some capacity? Now take a nice, deep inhale through your nose and exhale out. One more time. Inhale. And exhale. You did it. Thank you for listening to Clit Talk, the pleasure positive podcast. As always, you can hit us up on our Instagram at Clit Talk Show. And if you love this podcast, please share it with your friends. Please subscribe, leave us a review, share it with someone that you think could make a difference for. Um, all your friends, share it with everybody. And we love you so much, Clitorati, and we will see you next Tuesday. Pussy. 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 Pussy.